Hello and welcome to Sojourners in the Storm Bible Study. Uh, today we're going to pick up again in 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 4. The title of the message today is Carried Away. And, uh, you know, uh, once again, I just want to pray for you guys that are out there listening, that are, are subscribing to these podcasts and, and to the Rumble channel, that, uh, you know, that these are a blessing to you, that they're helping you along your way with your walk. Um, with your study, that they would be a good resource to you. Um, you know, that's the whole point of this uh, ministry right now, is to draw people closer to the Lord. And in doing that, you know, I know it's convicting me going through these messages, going through this scripture and studying it, and it's working on me. And, you know, I just pray that it's working on you. So with that, if you want to open up your Bibles, First John chapter 3, verse uh, 4 is where we'll begin. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, thank you for what you do for us. Father, thank you for sending your Son for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just go before us today, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with truth. Fill us with meaning. Fill us with encouragement, Lord. And just fill us with your love. Father, I thank you, and I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, you know, the Bible tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. And, you know, how true is that? We know and we understand that we do fall short in our own lives, right? Uh, uh, each and every one of us is going to wake up destined not to sin. You know, determined, I should say, not to sin. And what happens? Within ten minutes, we're sinning, right? We fall short. We look at the Ten Commandments and we see it and we say, You know what, man? I broke every one of those today at some point. You know... It gives us a need for a Savior. It shows us that we have that need for Jesus in our lives, right? And that's why we turn to Him. Because we know on our own that we cannot do it on our own, right? Sin, though, it separates us. And so we need to be making a, a, a conscience movement to get away from it, right? We grow in character. We develop in character as Christians. We start off at the lowest point. We accept the Lord. He comes in, He changes us, and He makes us new. But in that newness, we have a new life. We have a new beginning. We have a new direction that we should be going in. You know, I think the hardest thing for us to do sometimes, though, as believers, is to completely let go of our old lives and move towards God's will instead of our own. You know, and I think that is why we have so many people come into church, stay a short while, and leave. You know, somewhere in the sermons or, or in their own personal time of study of the Word, the conviction that comes uh, with being a Christian, being one like Christ, hits them. And they begin to understand that their lives need to change. And in order to do that, uh, you know, they have to make some sacrifices. But in making those sacrifices, sometimes people are turned away. And, and you know, let's be honest, it happens more than we would like to see. Um, Jesus describes these people uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 16. He says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. What happens there? You know, they come in, you accept the gospel, uh, you're blessed by it, you're changed by it, you have a, a, a liver quiver or a bosom blessing, as, as uh, Dr. Norm Geisler calls them, and 
immediately, once you start to realize what is expected of you, where your life is going to go from that point, and you realize that it's not easy. You know, we are not the Christians that uh, believe in uh, health and wealth and all that other stuff. No, we believe, we understand, we know that there are going to be trials in the Lord. We're going to have to go through some stuff. There's going to be some purging in our lives. And a lot of people don't want to go through that. You know, in today's world, we are all about um, the easy way, taking the easy way out, uh, uh, you know, the, the quickest way to gratification. And that's not the point of Christianity. You know, there is a point in all of our walks and when we realize that we have to make some changes. So what we do on Sundays isn't about making an appearance in church, but going to be poured into and make changes to our lives in order to become who God has ordained us to become, right? It takes some determination. It takes a willingness. It takes a perseverance on our part to become who we are to become. You know, the great thing about all of the struggles that we face as believers, as we work to remove the old lives and live the new life in Christ, is that we are not alone in the battle. In fact, that battle has already been won. We are here to clean up the aftermath of the old life and make better the new life that we are given. You know, we're going from unrighteousness to righteousness, from death by sin to life by the Spirit. But to do that, to do any of that, it takes a willingness to let go and let God take control. You know, today we're going to take a look at sin. It's a word that means to miss the mark. We also have rebellion, which means to live in opposition to the law uh, and, and to the main authority. And also transgression, which is openly to break the law, but to still know the law and keep the law in, in other aspects. So uh, let's go through the whole scripture that we're going to cover today. So 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 4, it says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed, re seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So, our main point for today is sin, its removal, and my duty to move away from sin. You know, we all sin. We are all going to sin. We know it's going to happen. We are going to miss the mark. Nowhere in the Bible do we find an example of anybody that is perfect in regards to sin outside of Jesus. Every person mentioned either sinned or is on record or has, uh, or has recorded a confection as part of their stories. It is to be noted, though, that their devotion to God, their brokenness over sin, and their faith and trust in God is what saved them. You know, that relationship, that calling out on the Lord is what brings us through. Um, nobody's perfect, but we do serve a perfect God. We serve the God that fixes the broken and makes family of the stranger. The God that loves us enough to send His only Son to die for us, 
so that we can become His children by adoption. But not everybody is going to understand that. Not everybody is going to accept that. Not even everybody in the church, I believe, accepts that. And that is what John is telling us in this passage. If we look at verse 4, it says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So letter A, continual sin is proof of an unrepentant life. You know, we have spoken in the past about the visible and the invisible church. The visible church being those that outwardly profess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but inwardly live for the flesh. The invisible church are those that confess Christ and inwardly have given themselves over to Him. The visible church, unfortunately, makes up the majority of what we see in all reality. If we look around and see how people live their lives in comparison to what they claim to believe, it's really not that hard to get an idea of who a person is or what that person really believes in. You know, John writes that to commit sin is to commit lawlessness. We all, well, well the greatest law that God has given us can be seen in two different ways. First, the law of the Old Testament that we use as a guiding principle for our morality and conduct towards others. How can, uh, you know, how should we act? What should we abstain from, etc.? You know, all these different things that are given to us in the law. Second is the law of grace. The law that we are under as we speak right now. Grace is the ultimate love. Mercy is a byproduct of grace. And ungraceful person is a selfish person. And a selfish person is an unloving person. You know, we are called to be, uh, by God, to be like Jesus in our conduct and in our grace. We are to be morally upright. We are to be loving and compassionate. To be selfless. Selfishness uh, is sin. And that is not our calling. You know, we lived that life before, now. Uh, but in Christ, we are called to turn away from that life. To that new life of sacrificial love. You know, a person that practices lawlessness is neither morally upright nor graceful. And this is not... Uh, living a regenerate life according to Jesus. That person is maybe making a profession but not following through with the actual claim. We live a, uh, we live a show me, don't tell me type of faith. Remember, and so what that means is we can say all we want about something, but if we do not show by our actions that we mean what we say, we are like those that practice lawlessness. Our statement of faith is that we have been born again of the Spirit by the atoning death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That on that day that we surrendered our lives to God, the blood of the Lamb removed our sins from us. And thus we are to live a regenerate uh, life. Those sins were taken away once and for all from us so that we can have a new life in Christ. Verse 5 says this, And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Letter B, Jesus is the scapegoat of our, skin, uh, of our sins, that we may sin no more. You know, we have, uh, to have a regenerate life means that we have turned over a new leaf. We have gone from enemy to child of God. We are no longer of the flesh, but of the Spirit. When we come to the cross, we lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross and let them die with the old life. We put them, uh, we put them on the Lord to take from us and to remove them from us. Remember what God did for us.
through Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, wow, let that sink in for a minute. He made him who knew no sin, Jesus, in his perfection, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, Jesus came in the flesh, contrary to what the Gnostics of the time were teaching. We, uh, he was not just a phantom or a great man that God used for a number of years, but he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He came and God gave men, all men, the opportunity to lay their sins on him that we that he may carry them away once and for all. You know, he was manifested. That means to appear, to be here. He was presently with us. You know, in the Old Testament law, it gives us an example of a scapegoat. If Jesus is the scapegoat that takes away the sins of the world, let's take a look at what the, the scapegoat was in the Old Testament. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21, it says, Aaron shall lay both hands, uh, both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to, be uninhabited land, uh, to an uninhabited land. And he shall release the goat in the wilderness. You know, that goat, when it was let go of, was never to be seen again. It was taken out into a desolate place where it would go out and it would carry those sins forever. You know, if that goat came back, it was it, it meant that they were unforgiven. But with Jesus, he carried those sins away forever. They are gone. They are no longer to be remembered. We put our God put our sins on Jesus. And we ask for that forgiveness when we come to the cross. And from thenceforth, it is no more. Those old lives that we lived before the cross, before Jesus, are gone. They are no longer with us. You know, when we come to the cross, when we give our lives over, we lay our sins on Jesus. We lay our desire to sin on Him. And He takes it away from us. And in that, we are made righteous as He is righteous. Righteous meaning justified by the justifier. We are made clean and holy by His sacrifice. That means that we, as believers, have to make a choice to either start building up a new reserve bank of sin and continue on in what we were doing, or take a new direction and seek to move away from that sin, uh, to that, from that sin nature to a more spirit-filled way of living. Verse 6 says, Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. So letter C, continual sin must be exercised from my life. Remember, to abide is to be in one accord with or in agreement with. Well, we are to live in accordance with Jesus and his way, meaning that if we do that, we are to live free from sin. Now, I know that we are going to fail, no matter how hard we try, because we are imperfect. But we still need to hold on to the Word of God in the highest regard and actively work out our faith in our lives so that we may become who we were called to be. That we can sin less, right? So that our nature would change, our character would change. We know God and who God is by how He acts. And not just by how we act, but by, those who, uh, but by who we are. 
Anybody can be holy on the surface, but are we holy when, we know, when nobody is looking? Are we praying alone in our prayer closet, or are we only praying out in the streets when the world is watching? Right? How are we living our lives? Are we conducting, our, conducting ourselves in private the same way we are in, in, in public, right? That's integrity. That's being sold out to the Lord. If we come home and we're still thankful the way we were thankful when we went to church that day, you know, that, that means something. You know, that's a character growth. That's a development in our lives. We've got to be the same person all the time. We've got to be understanding, thankful, holy, set apart all the time. You know, to live a sinless life is to live it at all times and not just when there's an audience of men present. Because the uh, truth be told, we are all we always have an audience uh, of one present with us in the Holy Spirit. And when we sin and we continue on in sin, we are showing that we are not in accordance with His Word. We are not in accordance with His way or with His will. We are not really in line with the way that we, uh, with the way, and that we may not have actually laid our sins on the head of the scapegoat but chose to hold on to some of them for convenience. You know, it says we are trying to play both sides of the field and be holy sometimes, but not so holy others. We are not to be what I call NASCAR Christians. You know, those guys that are like, oh yeah, Jesus, guns, and bush beer, America, right? We are not to be the, uh, we, we are to be the adopted children of the Lord, to serve Him, to give our lives, our, ourselves over to Him, to know Him, to see him, to live out through our lives, to live out, uh, to live our lives as we seek more of him. We cannot do that by holding on to sin. We have to put him first above all. You know, Jesus doesn't, uh, being an American doesn't make you a Christian. Um, being born in a certain area or of a certain race or uh, into a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. It is a personal choice that each one of us makes. It is a dedication that we give our lives over to. It is something that we sell out for. You know, you are not a Christian by association. Nobody is. Uh, you know, there's a story of a man that uh, invited Jesus to come and live with him in his house. Now, first Jesus moved in, and it was a great time, man. You know, they would get up every day, they would fellowship together, they would spend the whole day together talking and, and, and going over the Word and, and, and praying. And, you know, there was a close, tight bond with them. But over time, the man would leave the house. And he wouldn't wake up and, and have breakfast with Jesus. He wouldn't come back and have lunch with Jesus. He wouldn't have dinner with Jesus. He would just leave. And he would come back late. The conversations were always shorter. And, you know, he seemed very distant. And one day Jesus told him, you know, man, I'm going to have to move out. And the guy goes, why? He you know, was caught off guard. I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. And, and Jesus told him, man, you know, when I first moved in here, it was a great time. We had fellowship. You wanted to be around me. You wanted to be close to me. But now I hardly see you. And there's a room upside, uh, upstairs that really, really stinks, man. Like, there's something going on in there. I don't know if it's like a dead skunk or something, but it's bad. And so the man kind of stopped, and he thought about it, and he had Jesus showed him what room it was coming from. And it was just a small closet in a spare bedroom in his house. 
And, you know, he said, I know it's in there. And the man said, what? And he said, you know, you're holding on to things from the past. And they're rotting away and they're tearing you down. And he said, you know what? I can't fully live here. I can't fully abide here. I can't fully abide with you and you can't fully abide with me until that closet is cleared out. You know, that closet was that man's old prior sin that had crept back in, that he had held on to. You know, the moral of the story is we've got to let go of our old sins. We've got to let go of our old lives. We have to be totally sold out for the Lord in order for us to move on and be who we're called to be. You know, you know, it, it's tough, but we've got to let go. We've got to separate ourselves from those old lives. In John chapter First uh, John chapter three verse seven, it says this: "Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous." You know, the pure, uh, letter D, the pure, the life of a purified believer works righteousness. You know, it's not for us to. Uh, it is not for us to be deceived when we fall, fail and when we fall down. We are going to do so, uh, do so at times. You know, but do we hold on to those things that brought us down? Do we hold on to the snare that tripped us? You know, we've got to let go of those things. Uh, some more often than others fall. But in that, we must get back up and continue on by calling on the name of the Lord in confession and repentance. You know... It's a struggle. I'll tell you right now, it's a struggle to let go of that old life. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's easier on others. You know, sometimes a person can be saved and they're they're cured and God bless those guys. But you know, we fight for the, through those things. We struggle with those things. You know, I read in Dr. J. Vernon McGee's commentary about a young man who was struggling with alcohol. He had accepted Christ and would go long periods of time without drinking, but occasionally he would just find himself drunk. Now it was affecting his job and his home life. And one day he drove out to a, an appearance that Dr. McGee was making and he asked him if there was any hope for him yet. Now his answer was this to the, to the man. He said, if you love the Lord and hate sin, you will continue to call on the Lord for deliverance. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but God will deliver you. We have to have that faith. We have to have that understanding. You know, sometimes we're going to suffer through things. Sometimes we're going to struggle with these things. Sometimes we're going to go through trials that are just deep and, and, and painful. But God's going to bring us through those things. He's going to purge those things from our lives. He's going to help us. Remember, we are not alone in the battle to remove the sin of our old lives. God is with us every time, every time and always. You know, He is pulling us through. You know, to live out righteousness is to constantly be seeking what is righteous, if that makes sense. To be rooting out what is unrighteous in our lives and practicing what is righteous. We are called to follow the narrow path and not be on the broad road, right? If any of us know when you leave the speed of the freeway or the beaten path and exit onto an old country road that hasn't been used in a while... You have to slow down and really focus on what's going on in front of you. you got your hands at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel. Maybe you ride the brake sometimes. And focus, because on that road, you're going to find holes and snares and obstacles. You know, the Christian walk is the same way. We are to navigate the narrow path with focus and keep our eyes on the end of the road, which is eternal life in Jesus. 
It may not always be easy, but righteousness comes with trusting God. Above all else, and shedding the layers of sin that hold us back from our true calling as lights in the world. If we are unwilling to let go of those sins, if we are unwilling to give over our problems to God, we then are unwilling to do that which is righteous and God and good, but to do the opposite. In verse 8 it says, He who sin, sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know, letter E, all sin is in opposition to God. Jesus' manifestation is what brings us back to God. You know, all sin is from the devil. He was present when uh, our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the garden. He led them to eat the forbidden fruit. And from that moment on is the father of sin. In that, he uses it as a means of separating man from God. There is not a sin that we commit that he is not a part of. That means that when we as free agents, with a free will, make a decision to sin, we choose the side of the devil. Right? We've got to steer clear of that. We've got to veer away from that, get off that path and onto that, that old country road that's going to take us home. You know, we alone cannot defeat sin. We alone are incapable of such a feat. But we have the ultimate advocate in Jesus whose manifestation... His appearing, remember, his life and atoning death and resurrection are the key to us, uh, to all of us, defeating sin. You know, as we covered earlier, remember, Jesus takes away our sin. He removes it permanently from us, never again to be brought up. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. You know, there is nothing men can do as a means of saving themselves. It's only Jesus and through Jesus that we are able to defeat sin. We do that in adding, uh, in abiding with Jesus, purifying our lives to be as He has called us to be. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He takes away our sin. He has done it once and for all. There is not another need for us other than that and in Him. You know, the world believes and cleansings, and karma, and the next past life, or whatever. We believe in Jesus. With the world, and the lies of the devil in, uh, in the world, the understanding is that one can settle their accounts on their sins by doing acts of kindness or generosity. All of this is futile, though, in, in, in its efforts, because only God can remove sin. We are not on a merit system. We are on a mercy system with Jesus, right? He has mercy on us. He gives us grace. He removes from us the punishment that we justly deserve and gives us uh, forgiveness. He gives us new life. He gives us eternal life by His grace, by His mercy, and by His love. You know, Jesus takes away the, sin, uh, away the sin. He carries it away from us. He removes every last speck of it so that, uh, and, and that 
and so that leaves it to us to make the memory of the uh, to take the memory of those sins understand that they were killing us and leave it all behind and live a contrary uh, life contrary to the life of sin that we once lived we again are not perfect we all have something sometimes that creeps in and leaves its mark on us but we have to be sensitive to those things we have to arm ourselves with the sword of truth that uh, that is the word of god daily and be ready for those intrusions in verse 9 it says whoever has been born of god does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of god so letter f the indwelling holy spirit is our guide and alarm to christian living you know when we're born again we are taken over by the holy spirit he dwells with us we become a temple to the lord and so we must strive not to defile the temple the indwelling holy spirit is the seed that remains in us he becomes our conscience as we navigate the the christian life he warns us about the dangers of our actions emboldens us when we go to witness he moves us and stays with us at all times with being born again of god we receive a new nature our old nature was dominated by the flesh but our new nature is led by the spirit the spirit of god gives us the truth of god in our direction in our new born uh, again lives now this looks like it's saying that we do not ever sin but it means that we strive not to sin and that if we do we have an advocate in jesus before the father right you know what it's saying is that god it, god's will is for us not to sin but if we do we confess our sins and repent we do not dwell in sin we shed it and move away we acknowledge our failure and make the necessary moves in our lives to get away from that failure you know sometimes even the most guarded hearts though can be penetrated by sin it's like vermin right it finds a way in and when it's there it begins to multiply and divide you know we can be on top of that and rely and trust on the holy spirit to bring that out and draw out the sin in our lives to alarm us to warn us to convict us when it's moving its way in now have you ever had a centipede get into your house you know i don't know where you guys are all uh, listening from i know there's a few different countries where this podcast is being listened to but a centipede is a, it's a, it's a long worm-like bug uh, it crawls on its belly. It's got a hundred legs. You know, centi is a hundred. Um, they're, they're disgusting. And, and here in New Mexico, where I'm at, you know, sometimes they're around. Uh, they, they like the the damp, uh, the damp, like shaded areas. They're kind of around the ditches and the irrigation areas over here. But you know, every once in a while, even where I live in the high desert, they'll creep in. It's been a few years since one's gotten into my house, but. And normally it's my cat that finds it my cat does not miss anything you know she she's on the bugs and uh you know i'll be sitting there watching tv or reading a book or something and i look over and my cat's just engaged in this epic battle and i'm like what is going on so i'll go over and look and the last time it happened i, I went over and i looked and and lo and behold there's like a four inch long centipede right there and I was like, oh man that's gross and the thing about centipedes is you have to completely kill them otherwise if you like cut it in half then you have two pieces of centipede running around right and it's nasty if these things bite you they attach to you and there's venom in them uh you know 
and it's dangerous to humans. I've seen these things eat and kill mice in YouTube videos, uh, and they get big. Now their bite is very painful, and it releases a, a substance that is toxic, toxic into humans. Um, it causes redness, pain, and swelling. In more severe cases, it, ca it can cause a chills, fever, and even neurosis uh, of the bite site, right? But what do we do when we see these things? We get rid of them right away. And you can't just cut it in half either, like I said, because it'll run out in two directions. You've got to squash it or capture it and burn it. It's got to get gone uh, right away. Well, now think of sin as a centipede in our lives. When we see it, when the cat or when the Holy Spirit points it out to us, we need to go over and take care of it. Why? Because if we allow it to attach ourselves, uh, attach itself to us and release the venom, it becomes synonymous with us. It becomes part of us. You know, uh, it hurts us and we carry it around. And in the event of neurosis of the sight, you know, it makes us act differently. It changes the way we are. You know, sin can change a person or think uh, it'll make us think contrary to the will of God. You know, we can't cut it out in two pieces because Two smaller sins eventually branch out and make one more big sin, right? We've got to squash it out immediately. If we have sin in our lives, if the Holy Spirit is making us sensitive to something, well, yeah, man, we've got to repent right away. We've got to change that. We've got to get rid of that. We can't be holding on to that. We've got to get it out. We've got to clear it out. We don't want the vermin of sin in our lives. You know, we cannot let sin become the centipede in our lives. The uninvited intruder that latches on and causes us harm. I know that we're all going, uh, that we are all at war with this. I know we all struggle. And I know we all may even get depressed over these things sometimes. But we do have an advocate. We do, uh, we do have grace and mercy on our side. We have Jesus, and He is more than enough, right? He's always going to pull us through. He's always going to be fighting for us. He's always there to pick us up when we're down. He's always there to help us through our lives, to, 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 you know, remind us He loves us and that that sin has already been defeated. We've just got to go through Him and work through Him. In Romans chapter uh, 7, verse 21, it says, I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one thing who wills to do, uh, the one thing who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the bo this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, you know, it, it, it's very simple. We may want to do one thing and end up doing another. And... We're, we're going to go through those periods. We're going to go through those stretches. We're going to go through those trials. We're going to go through those periods of separation. You know, the Christian walk is not a sprint. It's a marathon. We go through things. We're going to be through, through things. We're going to beat ourselves up because we sin, because we fall short. Because, you know, sometimes, even though we don't want it to happen, uh, you know, a sin can become a habit. And we're going to say, you know what, man, I'm terrible. I'm beat down. I'm wretched. Who can save me from this? Remember, Jesus Christ has already saved us from it. He's already manifested himself to us. You know, he's come as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. 
He is the scapegoat that we laid our sins onto already. You know, we may fall short, we may sin, we may do all these different things, but we know the Lord is always faithful to forgive us when we go to Him in confession. And so, you know, when we do see these things, we've got to root them out. We've got to change that. We've got to grow in character. We've got to change our nature from a sin nature to a Christ-like nature, right? With that, guys, we'll end our study for this week. Um, I, I pray that you'll be back for the next one. And uh, let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for sending your Son for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the Holy Spirit, Lord, as a helper, as a guide, as a conscience, as a, as a role model, Lord, for teaching us your word, for teaching us your way, for teaching us your will. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would look at our lives, that we would examine ourselves daily, Lord, that we would seek to remove the sin that brings us down, that separates us, Lord, and draw closer to you. Father, I ask these things, and I just pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for joining, and God bless you.